game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. And now, the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, final from Calgary tonight. Flames over the Edmonton Oilers 4-0. The Oilers are shut out for their second consecutive preseason game. They're now 1-2 in the exhibition schedule. They're coming home Friday to play the Flames once again. Thanks a lot for joining us. Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. So no scoring in the first. Brett Sutter, Michael Stone in the second period. Mackenzie Weger and then Jonathan Uberdo into an empty net. Rounds it out for Calgary. 4-0 in the final, Rob, in dare I call this a rather mundane preseason game tonight between these two rivals? Uh, it, it was. Uh, you know, it, we saw the Flames and the Oilers play a number of times last year. Have a fantastic playoff series and the excitement and the animosity that those two teams brought. And this looked like exactly what Daryl Sutter called it, the, the fourth preseason game of the year. It was one where there was a lopsided talent level amongst the teams. Uh, and having said that, you got to also put in the fact that a lot of times when a team has a lot of their best players dressed, it, especially early in preseason, they don't show as well because the give-a-care meter isn't quite as high as some of the other players who are, for example, tonight, the fourth line of the Calgary Flames, who will all be playing in the American Hockey League, were the best line in this game. They had much more to play for. Having said that, when the puck was on the stick of the stars of the Calgary Flames tonight, they were the better team. They were able to move the puck around. Their power play looked good. And for the second game in a row, the Edmonton Oilers really had no offensive juice because all of their offensive flair is sitting at Edmonton tonight listening to this one on the radio or watching it on the streaming line. So it was not anything like what we saw at the end of last year, but it certainly wasn't expected to be either. Shots 34-21 in favor of the Flames. Both teams 0 for 3 on the power play. The goaltending story, Calvin Pickard start, uh, stopped 16 out of 17 for Edmonton. Stuart Skinner stopped 14 out of 16. The empty net did not make a save. Uh, Markstrom 12 saves. Wolf 9 saves. They share the shutout in this one. I do think the the Oilers goaltenders were good. I mean, yep. uh, Pickard was quite busy, both the first 12 minutes of the game and Skinner had some action in front of him as well. Well, they gave up three goals. The Flames goalies gave up none, but the, the Oilers goalies were the better ones because they were the ones that were facing the tougher shots against the tougher opportunities that the Flames got. Uh, Pickard's been excellent in his two games. That uh, is a positive for the Edmonton Oilers that their third string goalie uh, that is there in case of emergency throughout the season has played well. Skinner again looked comfortable and calm. Um, uh, no fault on his on the goals that beat him and he continues to prepare himself for hopefully 30 to 35 games this season as the backup to Jack Campbell. So the goaltending was probably the one bright light for the Oilers in this game. Yeah, and you said it, not a ton of offensive juice. Uh, Holloway had a decent scoring opportunity in the first. Um, I mean, McCaig had a decent shot in the third period. I didn't I didn't note, uh, but there, there wasn't a lot of sustained pressure by Edmonton tonight. And even on the power play, they might make a couple of good passes, but then, you know, the third or fourth one would go awry. Well, if the Oilers had two power play units tonight of those 10 players, 
only one is going to be on the power play for the Oilers this year, and that's Barry. The other nine guys are not going to see power play time. Uh, and you're asking them to go out and uh, execute a power play that mm, they probably just learned in the, about 10 minutes before the game. Said, okay, here you're on the power play. This is where you're going to stand. So I, to me, this is a game that went a lot like you expected. The only thing, and this is what I talked about with Bob, is there's a number of players that are fighting for jobs that were in this game mm -hmm. uh, for the Edmonton Oilers, fighting for probably 10, 11, 12, 13th forward. There was, and, and those are the type of players that are supposed to bring energy to a team. They're the type of players that you need to bring physicality. There wasn't a lot of that. And I think that's the one thing, and, and Bob mentioned him, and that's the one that you and I talked about for Tannen. Uh, he's at best going to be a fourth-line player for the Edmonton Oilers, you need to be noticing him. And if if there's not going to be offensive prowess in these games, and you can expect he's not playing with, you know, McDavid or Drysdale, then you you got to bring other things. you got to bring energy. you got to bring a physical element to the game, and we haven't seen that now through three games. And you've got to be noticed. When you're coming in here on a tryout, you have to be noticed. And I think for long stretches of the last, well, I guess three games now, there were stretches that you didn't notice them at all. And that doesn't bode well when you're trying to make a team. Yeah, Vertanen, uh, minus one tonight, one shot on goal, uh, one block, not credited with a hit. He played 15-29, 3-11 of that was on the power play. Yeah, I mean, we think we knew it would be hard for Vertanen. Um, it, and I realize, okay, did, did he have great line mates, this, this, and this? No, nope. but but if you're, you know, if you want to be a power forward type, which he said that's how who he thought he could be coming to camp, then you can still kind of make some noise at at some point, and he really hasn't done that. No, he hasn't, and and we go back to the, the Flames, Sutter, McLean, and I don't even know what the other guy's name is, Parrish or something along that line. Uh, they. None of them had great yeah, line mates. Bishop. Bishop, sorry. None of them have great line, line, line mates as they're playing together. Right. Yet, you notice them every time they were on the ice tonight. Uh, they scored two goals. They were buzzing around the net. They were physical. They were in on the forecheck. And you didn't see that from, from a, some of these players that the Oilers are taking a long look at. And uh, I, I said before the, the season, before preseason started, that I didn't think Vertanen was going to make the team simply numbers. He had to beat out somebody that already has a contract, that already has a, uh, a, a relationship with the team and with the coaching staff. So for him to make the team, he's got to be noticed, and he's got to be noticed in a good way a lot. And it's not that he's been poor. It's just, at times, invisible. And you can't be invisible when you have PTO after your name in the program. Jason Demers is also on a PTO. He goes minus four. <laughs> wow. A tough, tough night for him. <laughs> not saying he's to directly to blame on any of the goals, but that's a, a tough stat for a player. Played 23-45, uh, minute 57 on the power play, 206 shorthanded. I, I, and again, I think he's in tough as as well. I, I, he still has vision. I mean, he yep. makes some good, good passes. But again, is he noticeably outplaying anybody? Well, I guess we can't judge him against everybody because some of the other <laughs> defensemen that are going to be on the team haven't well, played it. But is but is he kind of like, oh, I want to see him play some more games? I, I don't know if he's at that level. Well, he, he you're not judging him against 
any of the Oilers' top six. You're judging right. him against the Oilers' seven through ten to see do we keep him around as a depth player? Is he someone that we can give a, a contract to and he can go down to the minors? Uh, Demers, he wants to come here for, I mean, to try to make the Oilers, but he also wants to be noticed. Uh, he's going to come to training camp, play in some exhibition games, and he knew it was a long shot to, to make the Oilers, but maybe there's another team that is looking for a veteran defenseman. Maybe an injury happens in a preseason. Maybe somebody's young player isn't quite ready. So he's coming here to audition not only for the Edmonton Oilers, but for the NHL. And again, a long shot just simply because, well, and it's nice to say it, the Oilers are better than they have been in a long time, that they can bring NHL veterans in on PTOs and just have no room for them because they're too good. Flames win it 4 nothing over the Oilers tonight. I do think a, a, a positive again, and maybe the hits weren't quite of the magnitude as they were Sunday night against the Winnipeg Jets, but ne Nima Linen, uh, look, he's minus two. A lot of guys were minus tonight. You lose 4 nothing, uh, But he's credited with six hits. Mm -hmm. um, he did now. We saw him a little bit in the NHL last season and you know generally pretty good obviously yep. was maybe being asked to play a little earlier than they would have liked in his career but I, I think there's some potential there and, and you see him in the preseason and plus he's not just a hitter like so many defensemen now in the nhl they're rangy right they yes. got that they got that reach okay and then you know some of the defensemen who have given mcdavid a little more trouble are the longer guys right because they get that stick out there and they force them a little bit wider than he might want to go to get to the net. Niemelainen has that reach as well. I think he's been fine in the preseason. I agree. He has. And if you want to, if he wants to look or fans want to look at what his potential could be, look across the, the ice today with the Calgary Flames, Zadorov. He's a big, rangy, physical defenseman that does jump up in the play a lot, but he's not there for his hands. He's there because he hits people. And he threw a big hit tonight against Fogel. So that's what Niemelainen brings. The Oilers are uh, more of a puck possession, uh, playmaking style defense. They got some speed on the back end. They, they transport the puck. They move the puck up quickly. But they don't have that guy that you fear. There's no one that when you're on the ice against the other's defense, you're looking around, okay, where is he on the ice? Okay, I'm going to go down the other side. Niemelainen has that ability. Now, I don't think he starts the season here. He's not in the, in the top six, but he's a guy that if there are injuries, and we know defensemen get hurt more than anyone in the National Hockey League, he can step in. And I think what they've seen, and they've played him a few times now because they want to see it on a consistent basis, and I think he has been consistent. The physicality has been there every game he's played. All right. Uh, we got to see Dylan Holloway again tonight. Uh, I'll give his stats. Uh, he's minus three again. Almost every the few guys were even, but most guys are clearly minus one or worse. Uh, Holloway credited with two shots on goal, a hit. He played 20 minutes and 15 seconds. He had, again, and, and I don't think as noticeable as he was on Sunday, but he, he did have some shifts where you notice, okay, he's got speed, he's, he's got mm -hmm. energy, he's not afraid to, to go into those mucky areas of the ice. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the best opportunity that the Oilers had tonight was by Holloway. The one thing you're also going to see right now is, was that the third game in four nights for Holloway? Is that what the Oilers have played three and four? Yes, they played three and, and four. And I think he's played all three games, has he not? He, did he play against Seattle? I thought he played in Seattle as well. Uh, no, he was not in against Oh, he didn't Seattle. play there? Oh, okay. Vertanen's played every game. Oh, that was okay. Uh, but uh, Benson's played every game, right? Yeah, Benson's Benson has. Every game. Well, the, and Nima Line has played well, every game. Vertanen and Benson right now are competing against each other for 
probably the 13th spot. Um, Holloway, uh, he looked a little more tired tonight than he did in, in the previous game. Uh, he's a guy that he can create, but he's also going to create more if he's playing with guys of his level. And in this game tonight, there weren't a lot of players at that level for the Edmonton Oilers. There's more mucker and grinders. Yeah. Uh, 4 nothing. Calgary wins it tonight. So two consecutive shutouts in the preseason here for the uh, Edmonton Oilers. We expect that the uh, the Lamplighters are going to be in action on Friday when, when Calgary comes to town. I, I know this begs, and we, and we should dive into this because I know, uh, you know, fans mentioned, well, I even interviewed the guy who's, who's, his name was inspired by an incident in your career. Down goes Brown. <laughs> Sean McIndoe was on the other night with me, and uh, he said, uh, "Yeah, he goes. It's my job to follow hockey, but I don't watch the preseason." <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you hear? I, I like we we get a wide variety of uh, of fans. Some people watch every game. Some people watch as much as they can, depending on what's going on in your life. And some people say, "I just don't watch the preseason." Some people will. Um, I mean, this was not a a, a spirited game. No. Certainly, yeah, okay, maybe 30 years ago, there would just be fights in the preseason because guys are trying to stand out any way they can. That's pretty much gone, gone the way of the yeah. Dodo Bird. Uh, again, the one fight I remember from last year's preseason was Cassian's, and that's just because he his helmet popped off and he hit his head on the ice, mm -hmm. right, in, in, in that one. So you, you're not getting a lot of juice in this game. And again, we kind of know where most guys are slotted. So, you know, it, it begs the, the question why, you know, eight games, some teams are playing six. It would four be enough <laughs> or whatever. Well, it's funny. Uh, one year when I was with Hartford, Hartford, we only brought in, I think it was 25 players to camp because the Hartford Whalers, they, they knew they had to press to, to be a playoff team. Mm -hmm. And the coaching staff and the GM decided, you know what, we're going to have just our group here. We'll have five or six guys extra to push or in case there's injuries in training camp. And we're going to go into the season prepared because our players are going to play all the games and they're going to be in line combinations or power plays and our penalty kill already. And it did work. We had a, I think we had a good start to that season. But it's one of those, we're not going to have 80 guys in camp and, you know, two practices where half's on one, half's on the other. I mean, Connor and Leon are, are skating, and they'll be here a week before they play their first game, mm -hmm. whereas some guys have got three games under their belt well, at that and point. Plus, they were skating, as we were talking about on the face-off yes. show, since late August, early September with each other anyway. And you, you're not going to have guys... Everyone loves playoff hockey because of the intensity, and it's more so than the regular season. Everyone enjoys the regular season because the intensity is more than the preseason. The preseason, really, it's just guys finding their hands. It's guys finding a little bit of chemistry with their line mates. And the only thing that, if I'm a GM, and certainly as a fan I'm hoping for, is that my players get through it healthy. And the more games you put them out there, the more opportunities are for them to take a puck off the foot, cut a rut going to the boards, take a stick up high. So, yeah, I think eight games is a lot of games, and so do the teams because they're best players. Right. None of them play eight games. No, I, I do know it's been explained to me by people in the past that, uh, you know, you're not you're not paying salaries in the preseason, so owners, whatever you get, true. Of, oh no, they the will. Sales they or will get whatever the deal is. Although it doesn't hurt, but they're not full rinks. They're usually not full rinks, and perhaps the crowds aren't always as engaged either, which is a, a good point. Yeah, I mean Tyson Berry said the other day, well, you know, three or four preseason yeah. games. Three, he's already played two. There's still five <laughs> left, so he's probably going to play. He might wind up playing five, but. 
well, yeah. the time it's done, right? But because they like to play. They, the veterans want to play later in training camp when it's getting yeah. closer to the season, and that's when you the teams start putting good teams together. Yeah. Uh, but at the beginning, a lot of it is they just want their young players to come in and get a yeah. taste of it and see where they are and kind of a welcome to the NHL now go back to where yeah. you were and, and this is your goal but yeah it is eight games is a lot of games yeah well it, and it's so and we've been through this a lot and we've been through it in years in which we were pretty sure the orders were going to be poor or, mm -hmm. or downright awful yep. and in the preseason games are like okay well this actually might be their best chance to win five out of eight or, or something and you're thinking like okay well it, there are like six spots available mm -hmm. or or well that yep. guy's on the third line but he could easily be beaten out now like we we expect the Oilers to have a pretty decent team and the spots that are available are you know, one guy trying to nose ahead of another guy. Yeah. So uh, you, you do kind of watch more for uh, for individual stories. But, you know, I, I think, you know, to me, Holloway is interesting. Niemalainen is interesting. The PTO guys are interesting. I think the goalies want to feel good. Like, you don't yeah. want to have a goalie allow five goals on 16 shots. But I will remind people of this. The star of last year's preseason, do you remember who it was? Brendan Perlini. Brendan Perlini had, what, five or six goals or whatever it was. Well, he actually made the made the team out of so it can happen it can happen but then he was a minor leaguer most of the regular season yes and and you you, you said it best when you talked about it there is the interest for oilers fans in pre-seasons previous was much bigger because there was uh there were there were ch chances of players coming in and making the team no, there was nothing really set in stone they probably had of their 22 man roster there's probably eight guys that were set in stone and the other there's probably 20 guys fighting for 14 spots this year i mean let's be honest the team's more or less set it's there's going to be a couple good players cut or veteran players cut or sent to the minors but there's not a when your team is good there's not as much action i mean i went to pittsburgh's training camp and i remember the gm first day of camp every spot is open right. everyone has a chance i'm like <laughs> no that's not true and we all know that's not true you right. know that's not true i mean they don't come out and say that anymore but that's why the interest in preseasons for good teams is a lot less yeah because their teams well, are more or less set well let's say you pick a year eight years ago uh a player of vertanen's caliber Forget about all the just yep. forget about all the other stuff. Just the his ice, caliber yep. would not have got a PTO from the Oilers. He would have got a contract. Oh, absolutely. Ryan, Ryan Murray wouldn't have been signed to a uh, a, a low value contract. To he might be the, a top four. He, he would have been a top yeah. four player when yes. the Oilers were, were poor. So yeah, it's it's different. It, it, it's still Im important, and I, I and I get everything. But yeah, it's kind of like well, let's be honest. If this game meant a whole lot. Connor and Leon would have played. Oh, of course. <laughs> so this is a chance for the coaches to evaluate players that they're looking for for call-ups, that they're looking for on depth roles, uh, and, that's, and that's what it is. The games, for me now, these games, let's push these games aside. The exhibition games now are going to get a little more exciting because now you're going to start seeing the stars come back into the lineup for the Oilers. I would imagine... Other teams. I mean, we'll see outside what of Calgary, looks like on Outside Friday, of the yeah. game on, on, on Friday, I think Calgary and Edmonton kind of had one of these. We'll play our good players at home. You play your good players at home. We both get our wins for our fans. And then after that, then you're going to start seeing much more competitive games between 
more NHL-style teams. That's our adjustment of the game for pro drain text for peace of mind down the line. Calgary 4, Edmonton nothing is your final. You are welcome to give us a call at 780-496-0063. We'll also have some post-game reaction from the Oilers' room. This is Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 chair. Back in on the left wing, across to Foley, shot saved by Pickard, coming across. Back on the left wing, Codry back to the blue line for Hannafin. All right, that is the save of the game for Crystal Glass. Call 310-GLASS or visit crystalglass.ca. Oilers shut out, second straight game, losing 4-0 to the Calgary Flames. Just uh, follow your brother on Twitter. He's been tweeting about Frankie Lasagna. <laughs> so Aaron Judge hit the home run tonight, his 61st of the season, ties the American League single-season record when Maris had 61. The Yankees beat the Blue Jays 8-3. So apparently a fan... And this is his real name as far as you've been able to read? It is his real name. Frankie Lasagna just missed catching it. He owns an Italian restaurant in downtown Toronto. He brought his baseball glove. By Actually, my brother, I just saw his reporting of it. He brought his glove, pulled a glove out of his uh, garage, brought it to the game. He said he never brings a glove, but thought where I'm sitting tonight, maybe, just maybe. And then he said that if he did catch it and would have held on to it, he would have negotiated and tried possibly to get Aaron Judge to come to his restaurant. Now, hold on, no, is your brother there? Or no, he's he, just... This is Canadian press. Canadian stuff. press. He's, he's there, got right? his reporter Some there. reporters were yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, Blue Jays fan Frankie Lasagna just misses catching Aaron Judge's home run ball. Anyway, it went off the end of his glove, too. I saw the... I mean, that would have been worth a lot of money. A lot, a lot of money if he catches that ball. Cause well, that, we were talking about memorabilia the other night. Yeah, we'll see what this one gets. To. But the, well, the, no the, the, the 62nd one's going to be worth more, though, if he hits that one. It's true, but it's funny. The ball did it went off his glove, and it went down into, I, I think it was the Blue Jays' bullpen, and one of the pitchers or a coach picked it up and just handed it to someone just off screen like, oh, hum. I mean, it's, I, mean I would have stuck it in my pocket and then thrown like a scrub ball back. <laughs> there it is right there. And then uh, would have had a nice little prize an Aaron Judge 61st home run I mean I'm a huge Blue Jay fan and and uh, would have loved to have seen them win tonight but it was kind of cool seeing Aaron Judge who I admire as a, as a ball player an athlete and as a person to, to hit a big a big home run and hopefully he's got a few more left in him this season all right so the Yankees win that one eight three the scoreboard presented by Edmonton trailer looking for part service rentals or new and used semi trailers head to edmontontrailer.com Oilers lose four nothing here's head coach Jay Woodcroft you guys knew what was you knew what to expect when you saw the starting lineups, but it's also a good way to evaluate your guys. What did you see from some of the guys? Yeah, I think the way we framed it this morning was uh, it's an opportunity. Um, and for me, uh, we learned, you know, anytime you're playing these preseason games, you're, you're gathering information as coaching staff yeah. and see who rises to the occasion, who who uh, keeps getting better on a daily basis. We knew they were going to address their, most of their yeah. full lineup. I thought uh, first period uh, we got our sea legs under us and started to play a little bit uh, better. Uh, you know, it was two nothing after two periods. You know, we were competing hard. Uh, there's things we can do better offensively for sure. 
Um, but I, I look at the positives of that game. I thought Tyson Berry played a heck of a game. He showed a lot of leadership, second of uh, two games in a row and on the road as a veteran player to come in and, and perform the way he did. I thought that was excellent. I thought uh, Phil Kemp uh, turned in a really good game. Pickard and Nett played really well. Um, and there was some good signs in our team game. Again, the penalty kill was uh, very good and uh, some things to build on and some things to work on. You can almost get a better sense of guys when they're in an adversity like this than yeah. as opposed to when you're, everything's going downhill for you guys and you're up, you know, yeah. playing the other teams. And out. you know what? This is a provincial rival. It's a, You always know you're going to get a game. Um, and, you know, when you're on the road, you you don't control matchups and uh, you learn a lot about people. And um, there's certain people that showed well and certain people that we need more from uh, as we move, work our way through training camp here. Um, we're going to go over every inch of the film and, and pick out some themes and try and get better in practice tomorrow. So I, I know Pickard isn't in the picture here, but I mean, he's going to play for your AHL team. He's looking pretty solid so far. Yeah, I think it's a really good signing. It's credit to our goalie department, the scouts, and Keith Gretzky uh, for really uh, identifying Pickard as a, a goaltender to come in. Obviously, um, you never know what happens in a season, but to have that type of depth uh, I think it's uh, very good, and he should feel very good about his game tonight. So a couple of your bubble guys, 55 and 80, you want to see him in this scenario. What did you What did you think of yeah. Holloway and Nimalainen? Yeah, I thought Dylan made a few good plays with the puck. Um, you know, uh, I, he was involved in the penalty kill. Penalty kill was good. Um, there's a few small areas that he, he's got to continue to improve at, but all in all, for his first time in this building, I thought uh, there were some positive signs from him, from big uh, and um, you know, he was physical. Um, you know, there were some things that happened with the puck with him that, you know, plays he might want to have back here or there. But, you know, he's pushing. That's three games and four nights for a big fellow like that uh, early in training camp. Um, you know, he's, he's working hard and he's trying to lay his imprint on, on each game. And, you know, there was some good th good in his game tonight, too. So, uh, Bertan is another guy who's played all three games. Is that because you want to see more? Or yeah. Or just... Yeah, I mean, he's here for a reason, right? Yeah. He's, uh, he's here to um, show what he can do. We're putting him in tough environments, uh, you know, and, and uh, he's like some of those other guys. He's had good moments, and he's had moments where he can uh, maybe improve a little bit. But he's... Uh, He's like the rest of our team. We're grinding our way through. Um, we're gonna, like I said, we're gonna learn from this game and and uh, have a good practice tomorrow. Last year, Ryan McLeod would have been one of the players trying to make the squad yeah. in this type of game. And today, he definitely looked like more one of the more veteran players. What do you have to say about his play? And can you use this as an example to the players trying to make the team? Yeah. Well, I think Ryan. Um, you know, we started the game tonight. He's probably on our first line uh, tonight. Um, I think, uh, you know, his speed is quite evident every time he's on the ice. Uh, he made a few plays with the puck. I think there's some offensive uh, opportunities uh, where he, upon second look, might want to do a few different things uh, to get uh, a little bit more success offensively. I thought defensively he's a big part of our penalty kill, big reason, um, you know, why, why that's continuing to hum and I feel good when he's on the ice he had hard minutes against top players in the National Hockey League tonight and he showed um, he certainly can skate with them it's now about finding a way to be offensively productive when they're against him as well.
So can you use this kind of game as a growth, uh, I guess a lesson for some of the players who are like Orion McLeod, who now get to see elevated minutes against elevated competition? Sure. Um, you know, that's what training camp's about too, is um, as much as we're talking about our team game and things that we want to make sure that we have ready uh, and then, you know, getting cleaned up in the next two weeks, it's also a chance for individuals to make sure that their individual game is where they're going to want to have it uh, in the middle of October. And so each game, it's not easy to go through when you've been off uh, in the summertime. Uh, but like you mentioned, Ryan McLeod, uh, he's he's trying to build each day and try and get a little bit better each day. He knows he's not going to be perfect. He's going to make some mistakes. This is the time to do it, but he's putting in a lot of hard work to make sure that he'll be ready uh, when the regular season starts. All right, that's Oilers head coach Jay Woodcroft after a 4-0 loss to the Flames in Calgary. He also mentioned Philip Kemp. I'm glad he uh, brought up Kemp. He had a uh, decent game. He actually came, he took a shot that went wide that was relatively close. Yeah, another one that, uh, I mean, he's a guy down the road. Uh, he'll get some bigger minutes down in the minors. But again, someone that wants to be noticed. And I can tell you, as, as when I was a young player, knowing that I wasn't going to make the team if I read or heard or saw that the coaching staff had said something positive about me after the game, make you feel pretty good about yourself. So good on him to be noticed in a game that uh, there wasn't a lot of Oilers noticed in a positive way. All right. Whenever the Oilers score five or more in the regular season, we will have the Japanese Village Goal Light. You'll go to 630Ched.com and you'll be able to print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village. We'll take a quick timeout and you'll still hear from Dylan Holloway. This is Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630Ched. Calgary 4, Edmonton nothing, the final. Brett Sutter, Stone, Uyghur, and Uberdo, the goal scorers for the Calgary Flames as the Oilers are shut out for the second consecutive game. 50th anniversary of the Paul Henderson series winner from the Summit Series in 1972. Rob, you were I was very little. Did I you remember. Watch? Oh, absolutely. Well, I know I watched. I don't remember watching, but I know that my father would have had me watching that. So I have seen uh, they've done those series uh, where they... Was I guess just I don't know if it's a not a movie but a mini series on mm -hmm. it and stuff. I watched that, uh, quite impressive and uh, it's hard to believe it's 50 years ago that that happened. Now was that the rink you played in when you went for World Juniors? Do you know? I do not know that. I, I wonder if it was. It might. I'm going to look it up right now. Because that was something the uh, Ice Palace or something like well, that. Well, we played in a couple of different rinks. One of the rinks that we played at during the World Juniors, uh, we were playing and there was a big curtain between us and the other side, and a Uriah Heap concert was on during our game, and we could hear all the music during the entire game we were playing. So I don't think that was the rink, but we did play in some big rink in Moscow. The uh, the Luzins the Luzniki Ice Palace, and what was it? You 1988 World Juniors? Yes. Let's see where it was. Uh, where was the, where were the games held? It would be the the Russian game would be where we would have played the in their big rink or their most well, important. It doesn't rank. say on this page. Well, let's just lie to the people and just say that it was. <laughs> well, we can speculate. Okay, that's is that was that how you spell? Oh, well, you played the Soviets early, right? Because the you guys were both the you. Were just, no, we no we well, ended up playing fourth, fourth uh, fifth, the fifth, fifth game. game. It was fifth near game. the end because we were both 
uh, lowly rated. So we were both. They, they, yeah. They ranked us uh, the worst two teams in because we were because both kicked out the year, year before. Right? Yeah. And then oh, we finished our last two games. I think we're against Poland and West Germany. So once we beat the Russians, we knew we'd won the gold medal, despite the fact we still had two goal, two games left. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, 7804960063. Oh, we got goalie doc on hold. Go I love hearing from goalie doc. What's going on? Oh, hi. I just want because it's the anniversary of that goal. I just want to tell you about one story that might not have been told. Um, we used to have our tournament in Red Deer for the Doctors Hockey Tournament, and uh, Yvonne Cornway was our guest there, and he uh, told me the story about he was saying first thing he reminded me that he scored the. Uh, tying goal for that game and then he explained, he explained to me how he happened to be on the ice he said if that if that game was in montreal forum he would have not been on the ice at that time he would have gone to the uh, he could hear in his head toe blake yelling at him to get to the uh, bench because he was too short of breath to do that but the distance from going back into the play and going to the um, the bench was the same distance so that's how he ended up back into that play to be involved in that goal he was he he, he sat down in the red deer lodge in the uh the, there and, sh and mapped out on a napkin to to myself and my wife showing it all about the uh, how that uh, play took place but i don't think anybody's ever heard that story from him he's a really really nice uh person to speak to and so I just thought I'd tell you that because that's probably the last chance to get a chance to no, I tell that story about Ivan Kolonye. Well, that's awesome. Feed your dog, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I know. Seriously. You always have something interesting to say, goalie dog, so I appreciate that when you give us a call. And, well, and, I, and I played the uh, – Henderson was on our show that's usually on now, a little more conversation, and he – and we, most people probably know this. Like, he called Frank Mahovlich off the ice and went on and scored. Like, from what I know about, these guys predated me, but Frank Mahovlich would have been a better player than Paul Henderson if he wanted somebody out in the last minute of a game. I would think so. And what I I would think he'd be more, would he not have been more veteran too? I would think so. Yeah. He's like, you, hey, come on off, kid. Like, yeah, I'm, I want to be the, the hero. Like, what, I mean, Frank Mahovlich's whole life could be different right now. He could have got the... Then they just do so. They just retired. That's it. They just retired Paul Henderson's Team Canada number... Was he 19? Yeah. Yeah, they just retired that from the Team Canada sweaters. It's, it, it's amazing to talk about, and, I, and it's, uh, I think it's important to talk about today because as we get to 60, 70, 75 years, I mean, it's, it, won't, it won't be this. Like, the players aren't going to be around. A lot of, you know, more and more people who see it aren't going to be around. Mm -hmm. I know there's, there's video of it, but, you know, it's, you can tell it's from a <laughs> The videos yes. from a different era. I mean, I don't even know if I've ever seen a replay from any other angle than the, than the, no, than and, the main angle. And it's kind of neat, the whole series, because Canada was supposed to dominate, and then yeah. they lost on home ice. And I remember it was Phil Esposito came out and started giving it to the, the media and the fans, like, quit booing us. These guys are way better than anyone thought. This is much harder. And then I, I think it was three of the French players left Russia. Oh, some players, yeah. Yeah, they left and went home because they weren't getting into the games, and they said, yeah. we're not wasting... Well, because then they played a couple games against Sweden in between, right? Like, they played the four games in Canada. They played a couple games against Sweden. See, I didn't know before, that. Yeah. I did. I read a book, like, several years ago, and I was like, oh, they were doing other little exhibition I did, games. I did not know that. Yeah. But it was, it was pretty neat, the whole story, and that was the... Was that not the story where they told Bobby Clark to break? To, well, they told them to... 
Would, wouldn't it be unfortunate, I think, yes, if something happened? Yes, their best player wouldn't finish the game. Let's, and he uh, didn't. Let's quickly head back to Calgary. Here's Dylan Holloway. The best game, but you know, a lot, lot to learn from. Uh, you know, they had a, a pretty much their whole lineup, and so obviously they're a good team. They have a lot of good players, but um, yeah, I think uh, we need to be better. You, they talked about preseason get tougher as it goes on, especially at home teams. They tend to yeah. bring out all their best guys. Just how valuable is that experience for you to see that up there? Yeah, it was good. Um, obviously, when you get a good challenge like that, it makes you. Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't say it like humbles you, but it, it definitely uh, put, puts things, things into perspective. So I think it was, uh, you know, good for us to get that test out early. But I think there's a lot we can improve on. Okay. Thank you. On a personal level, what was it like to play a game in your hometown? Yeah, I mean, it was pretty cool. I wish uh, I should have played a little bit better, but um, yeah, it was pretty cool. I had a lot of friends and family here tonight, so it's a cool experience. Who'd you have for friends and family? Uh, I just had my mom and my dad, my grandparents, uh, aunt and uncle, and then just a bunch of friends. How many times have you probably skated on this ice before? Or was it like to do it at the NHL level? Yeah, I mean, it was pretty cool. Um, yeah, obviously, going against like the hometown team where I'm from is uh, it's a pretty cool experience. Um, yeah, I had, a, I had a lot of fun out there, even though uh, we didn't get the W. All right, that is Dylan Holloway. The Oilers lose 4-0 in Calgary tonight. Next game action is Friday. 5.30 face-off show here on 6.30, Chet. Game at 7 at Rogers Place. Once again against the Calgary Flames. Oil Kings tomorrow, 7 o'clock against Connor Bedard and the Regina Pats of Rogers Place. Oilkings.ca to get your tickets. Stoff has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I will have inside sports from 6 to 8. Big thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer this evening. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.